0: I'm Mike Heimer with Heimer Farms in Montgomery, Texas. You're listening to the latest news in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today.
1: Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin.
2: Hello Texas, we got another week rolling and I've got another episode rolling for you of Texas Ag Today. So jump on in with me, buckle up. Let's take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. In the news today, it's that time of year where agritourism picks up all across Texas. Those corn mazes and pumpkin patches are all getting ready to welcome families to their farms and do a little educating on agriculture as we move into the fall season but the drought has affected those agritourism farms just like everyone else. We'll have more on that coming up to kick off today's show. My name is Kerry Martin, I'm your host along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the Piney Woods of East Texas to the Rocky Ranges of the Trans-Pecos and from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley.
0: Improving animal care through the use of new technology was a key topic of a recent Merck Animal Health event in Amarillo. I'm James Hunt, and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today.
3: Creating high-quality cotton seed can be a challenge. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and on today's program, we'll take a look at the differences between cotton seed versus corn and soybean seeds. All on Texas Ag Today.
4: Areas of Central Texas are finally getting some moisture, but the drought's not over. This is Dr. Shane McClellan, and I'll have more from Waco.
2: We'll have those stories plus Texas wildlife news and a complete look at the markets all coming up. The fall is a big time of year for agritourism in Texas, with families enjoying corn mazes and pumpkin patches all over the state. Ken Graff runs the 7A South Texas Maze in Hondo, west of San Antonio. He says they will be open this fall, but the drought has had an effect on their operation.
5: Yes, it has. Early on, I mean, we hadn't had two inches of rain since September. And uh, we lucked out here. It's been about, what, three weeks ago. We caught an inch and a half. We were struggling. We're on drip irrigation. We were fixing to run out of water. Crop wasn't growing and everything wasn't up yet. And we caught about an inch and a half of rain, and due to the submoisture we had from uh, the pre-irrigation, man, everything shot up like a rocket.
2: Graf says the corn maze is very uneven, with stalks ranging from knee-high to head-high. But he sees it as an opportunity to educate the non-farm public on the struggles that farmers face with the weather.
5: We're going to use it as an education tool to teach everybody that comes out here you know, it affects all of us. It affects you. It affects me. It, it affects us in agriculture as a whole. Uh, there's too many people disconnected, so we're going to use it as a learning opportunity for everybody this year.
2: Graf is thankful that the temperatures have cooled off a bit from the 100-degree heat we saw earlier in the year, and that should help his maize last through the fall tourism season. Why are consumers willing to pay high prices for steaks? A research project from Texas Tech University's Davis College of Agricultural Sciences and Natural Resources is trying to answer that question. Marcus Miller, a professor and the San Antonio Stock Show and Rodeo Chair of Meat Science, Food Processing and Preservation at Texas Tech, says they've discovered the part of the brain stimulated when you have some of your best experiences in life, like your first kiss, your first love, getting married, children being born. That's the same part of the brain that gets stimulated when you eat a high-quality piece of beef. The project is called LGen2000 and will collect data from consumers across three countries with different methods of raising beef and compile all that data to try to isolate the genes that give consumers the best dining experience. They'll test consumers in three countries, the U.S., Ireland, and Australia. Here in the U.S., they'll eat steaks from 100% grain-fed beef. In Ireland, it'll be 100% grass-fed beef, and in Australia, there'll be a mixture of the two, with the goal being to find out if the different methods of raising beef cattle produce different genetics. New technology is helping to improve animal care in feedlots. James Hunt attended an event that showcased some of this new technology.
0: Recently, I participated in a special media event in Amarillo hosted by Merck Animal Health. The event brought together ag journalists and beef industry professionals from around the country to discuss ways of improving beef production and, in particular, animal care. One highlight was information sharing about a new Merck product called SenseHub Feedlot. Dr. Jason Nickel is the Director of Insights and Outcomes for Merck Animal Health. Here's his description of SenseHub.
2: It is an automated disease detection system for that post-weaned beef animal, so either in a background stalker or feed yard facility. It is a wearable technology in the form of an ear tag that captures animal temperature and activity and utilizes artificial intelligence to detect whether or not that animal is sick and needs further attention.
0: The SenseHub technology is designed to enable livestock producers to identify sick animals days earlier than can be achieved through standard human observation and dr nickel says in some cases since hub can identify cases that might otherwise go completely undetected because cattle instinctively try to hide it when they're sick despite
2: the fact that they are domesticated despite the fact that we raise them in confinement despite the fact that we interact with them on a daily basis they're still considered a prey species and they are innately equipped to conceal disease as a means of protection of themselves.
0: Dr. Nichols says in the short time since Hub has been commercially available, it's been shown to reduce chronic disease and mortality, which means more animals making it to harvest and more pounds of beef produced. In our next report, we'll hear from a local feed yard operator who is putting Sense to use. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.
2: The cotton industry is constantly innovating to help growers improve yields and deal with challenges. Tom Nicoletti talks with one cotton seed company representative about the work they're doing. My guest today
3: is Jeff Bramer. He is head of seed supply for Fibermax and Stoneville Cotton at BASF in Lubbock. You folks uh, go by uh, the phrase uh, we create chemistry. What are you folks creating these days uh, that will be of benefit uh, to cotton farmers uh, in Texas and across the nation?
6: Well, we're creating high quality cotton seed and we're hoping to, have a good harvest so that we can distribute great, high-quality cotton seed to the farmers across the cotton belt.
3: One point that you uh, continually stress is the difference between the the seeds, uh, corn and soybean seeds, versus cotton seed. Uh, talk about that.
6: And when it comes to cotton seed and farmers are demanding high-yielding cotton, well, that's the lint. And in corn and soy, you've got the seed that you plant is actually the high quality, what you're trying to improve. In cotton, we're trying to give the farmer high-yielding lint. And what happens is we're sometimes taken away from that seed at the expense of lint. And we're trying to understand
3: what are the seed characteristics that are a predictor of emergence. Jeff, what about the seed quality uh, coming out of the cotton that has suffered through the drought this year here in Texas?
6: When we look at the seed coming from the drought, now we may have a little more challenge with quantity coming from a field. But as long as that seed was dry, sunny days, of which we've had a lot of, haven't had a lot of rainy days, we look for high-quality cottonseed. We are creating new traits, and we're creating new varieties
3: with more disease packages. That's Jeff Bramer with BASF in Lubbock.
2: I'm Tom Nicoletti for the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Areas of Central Texas have finally gotten some moisture, but Dr. Shane McClellan says the drought there is far from over.
4: People continue to ask me, how much water does it take to end a drought? And in typical county agent fashion, I say it depends. There are multiple factors that play into how much moisture it takes to actually end a drought. The number one thing is you just have to start receiving rain, and we are doing that in Central Texas. Rainfall amounts do vary greatly over the Central Texas Blackland region. The northern McLennan County and south of us in Bell County, they have received over four inches of rain, and they're continuing to get some rain, while areas in between are just receiving you know, various amounts, but not that much. Uh, I have a lease place that received over four and a half inches north of Waco, and there's no running water. So when you ask how much water is it going to take to fill these tanks, that's really hard to say. It's going to take rainfall in two different ways. One would be a very hard, fast rain or a large amount of rain over time. To recharge our stock tanks, our lakes, rivers, and streams. the most important message is that we get rain. It's just got to start raining sometime to end the drought, and uh, the weather has definitely changed in a good way. Cotton farmers in central Texas have been trying to harvest cotton, but rains have been keeping them out of the fields. They're diversified in their operation enough where they need a rain for wheat, ground, etc, but they really need a window of dry weather to get their cotton crop out of the field. Rainfall is keeping them out. And uh, yields are kind of what they expected them to be, decent in some spots in the field, but not near as good as they were last year. The rains that we have received have greened up pastures and hay fields. We do have cool season forages emerging along with warm season forages that are actively growing. If we get lucky and the temperatures stay cool, then we'll have some early fall grazing. Typically, we'll get a late August rain dry out I and mean, then many of our cool season forages will die due to a lack of moisture right now they're holding steady and my fingers are crossed that we continue to have this favorable weather until next time this has been dr shane mcclellan from waco with texas ag today
7: anglers can win 250 dollars just for catching a tagged amber jack calling it in and sending in the tag i'm jessica and i'll have more coming up on texas ag
2: today and it's important for dairy cows to have a live calf every year Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today.
8: Texas A&M Forest Service is helping to protect lives, property, and livelihoods from wildfire. State officials warn that weather conditions are creating a high risk for wildfires across the state this summer. Warmer, drier than average, and windy conditions are combining with dry vegetative fuels and increasing the potential for significant large fires. Keep your eye on the weather during the summer months and heed warnings from local officials. For more information on wildfire weather warnings, visit ticc.tamu.edu.
1: We're keeping you informed
2: on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. It is important for dairy cows to have a live calf every year. Dr. Bob Judd says Ohio State University has uncovered one method for
9: helping that occur. Maureen Hansen indicates in Bovine Veterinarian that dry cows which are able to lie down and rest during the dry period prior to calving are more likely to have a live calf than those that do not rest. Ohio State published the results in the Journal of Dairy Science and evaluated over 1,000 cows from three Ohio dairies and used electronic data lauders to assess lying time and frequency starting 14 days before expected calving date. They also checked the consistency of the lying session length from day to day and was called the coefficient of variation. The researchers also performed blood analysis one and two weeks prior to calving for non-esterified fatty acid concentrations, or NEFA, and again 48 hours after calving, to measure total blood calcium. Higher serum NEFA concentration near calving has been associated with higher levels of several transition cow diseases. The study involved first-calf heifers as well as older cows, and stillbirths were defined as calves that were born dead or died within 24 hours of birth. Stillbirths made up almost 5% of the calves, and cows with live calves had more lying down time in the seven days leading up to calving than those with stillbirths the heifers and cows that delivered live calves rested almost one hour longer per day than those with stillbirths. Older cows with stillbirths had higher non-esterified fatty acid concentrations prior to calving compared to cows with a live calf, although this was not the case with first calf heifers. Improving factors that allow cows to lie down and rest prior to calving could result in more live births in dairy cows. I'm veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.
2: Texas anglers can earn $250 just for catching a tagged amberjack, hauling it in, and sending in the tag. Jessica Domo has more details in today's Wildlife Report.
7: Anglers can now win $250 and help contribute to a scientific study of greater amberjack in the Gulf of Mexico. All you have to do is catch a tagged greater amberjack, report the tag number to the phone number on the back, and mail in the physical tag. The effort is called the Greater Amberjack Count. The goal of the count, according to the Center for Sport Fish Science and Conservation, is to estimate the number of Greater Amberjack in the U.S. South Atlantic and the Gulf of Mexico while also studying the movement patterns and biological information of Greater Amberjack. As anglers call in the numbered tags with information on where the Greater Amberjack was caught, scientists are able to plot the data and learn more about the species' habits and anglers' catch rates for the fish. According to NOAA Fisheries, Greater Amberjack and the Gulf of Mexico are overfished, but the fishery in the U.S. South Atlantic is not, so understanding the connection between the two fisheries can help officials manage the fishing of the species. Scientists from Texas A&M University, Auburn, Louisiana State University, and the University of South Florida are on the team studying the fish. So far, scientists have already synthesized existing Greater Amberjack sightings and catch data, and they've tagged more than 1,200 Greater Amberjack. The tags are red and yellow and have a number on one side and instructions to report the tag on the other. Anglers can receive a reward of $250 per tagged fish that they catch and report and mail the tag in for afterward. The recreational angler fishing season for Greater Amberjack, as set by the Gulf of Mexico Fishery Management Council, runs through October 31st. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Dormul.
2: We saw mostly lower trade in the cattle market on Friday, but the bottom dropped out of the cotton market. We closed limit down. We'll take a closer look at all of Friday's livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today.
8: Texas A&M Forest Service is helping to protect lives, property, and livelihoods from wildfire. State officials warn that weather conditions are creating a high risk for wildfires across the state this summer. Warmer, drier than average, and windy conditions are combining with dry vegetative fuels and increasing the potential for significant large fires. Keep your eye on the weather during the summer months and heed warnings from local officials. For more information on wildfire weather warnings, visit ticc.tamu.edu.
1: We're giving you the market information you need
2: on Texas Ag Today. The cattle market traded mixed on Friday. We closed it out mostly lower, however. Lower in the live cattle market, mostly lower on feeder cattle. October live cattle dropped 12 cents Friday, ending the week at 145.50. December down 35 at 150.97. February live cattle down 27 at 155.10. On the feeder cattle trade, September feeders down 15 at 179.20. The October was actually up 32 cents, 181.25, with November feeders down 2 at 182.75. The cash-fed cattle trade took a while to develop over the last week. The feedlots were holding out for higher money. They finally got it. Here in Texas, we sold fed cattle at 142 That's a buck higher compared to the previous week. Up north, sales were mostly steady, 142 to 144 on a live basis, and again that narrows that spread. Once again, we're at 142 here in the south, topping at 144 in the north. So we've gone a long ways from that 10, 11 dollar spread we had a couple of months ago down to just about two bucks now. Boxed beef prices mixed on Friday. Choice up 68 cents at 253.02. Select down 247 at 227.48. Now let's check the auction barns. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. My friend Jim Wheeler got finished hunting doves yesterday and called me with a livestock market
6: operator report. Jim, how'd the sale go?
5: Well, we ended up with three hundred and sixty, and I thought the calf market was sure good mm-hmm. enough. Cow market one sixty-four. You know, cheaper than uh, than it was when we were running three hundred cows.
6: Right. Well, walk the pens so, with us.
5: Okay. Ended up with. Uh, Hundred and eighty-three steers, hundred and nineteen heifers, forty four cows and nine bulls. Steer side two to three weights a dollar sixty to two ten. Heifers were a dollar forty five to a dollar seventy five. Three to four weight steers a dollar fifty five to two fifteen. Heifers were a dollar forty to a dollar sixty eight. Four to five weight steers a dollar fifty to two ten. Heifers were a dollar thirty-five to a dollar seventy, five to six weight steers a dollar forty-five to two dollars, heifers were a dollar thirty to a dollar sixty two. Six seven weight steers a dollar thirty five to a dollar seventy. Heifers were dollar twenty to a dollar fifty five. Seven to eight weight steers a dollar twenty to a dollar fifty seven. Heifers were a dollar five to dollar forty one. 41. Eight to nine weight steers a dollar to a dollar forty and the heifers were ninety to a dollar twenty there Tuesday
6: what did you have on cows? Had
5: 164. Best packer cow brought 87 bucks. Best bull brought a dollar. Had a few bred cows. They brought anywhere from 510 to 1050. And we kept a couple of pairs together. They brought 1300 and 1350. What
6: do you anticipate for next week?
5: Uh, next week, I'm guessing somewhere. We'll have somewhere around three to four hundred again. We've got a little chance of rain, but I don't think it's going to happen.
6: Well, tell everybody how to get a hold of you, Jim Wheeler, for next Tuesday's sale in Pleasanton.
5: Reach us at eight three zero five six nine two five one
6: six. Neighbor, I'm Larry Marble. This has been Walking the Pins on the Texas Farm
2: Bureau Radio Network. See you tomorrow. Thank you, Larry. Back over to the futures trade now. We're hogs finished higher on Friday. October hogs up 85 cents, 96.90. December up 32 at 87.97. Class three milk was mixed Friday. September milk up 7, 1990. 100 weight. October milk down 5, 21.33. 100. The cotton market dropped sharply lower on Friday. In fact, limit down on just about all of the contracts. Now, the cotton market is affected by the outside markets many times. Things about the overall economy, and that was definitely the case on Friday. Fears of higher interest rates coming, a slowing Chinese economy, stiffer competition from South America, and fears of a worldwide recession coming next year. All weighing heavily on the cotton market, December was limit down 400 points, 99.29, March 23, cotton down 400 points, At 96.15. Not a lot of direction in the corn market on Friday. December corn down a quarter penny, 6.77 and a quarter, while March cotton was up a quarter cent at 6.83 a bushel. But we did see some gains in the wheat market Friday. Not a whole lot of explanation for those gains. The wheat market just seems to be trading up and down on both sides of Unchanged as we go throughout the week without any real fundamental news to move the market. That seemed to be the case Friday with December Kansas City wheat up 9, 9.35 and a quarter. December Chicago wheat up 14 and three quarters at 8.59 and three quarters. In the energy markets, October natural gas dropped 50 cents Friday, 781, October crude oil up 18 cents at 85.28 a barrel. The financial markets lower Friday afternoon, the Dow down 148 points at 813. the Nasdaq down 130 points, 11,421, the S&P down 33 at 3,868. That wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. My name is Kerry Martin. Hope to see you back here next time as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the U.S. of A, Texas agriculture. Thanks for
1: listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information,